Welcome to Club Pro Chatter, brought to you by the Minnesota Section PGA and the Section's charitable arm, PGA Reach. I'm Scott McDonald, the head pro at Minnewaska Golf Club in Glenwood, Minnesota. And I'm joined today not by Mr. Greg Snow, the commissioner. He has other duties. I think he's currently on a FedEx truck, refing basketball, or at a commissioner meeting, or working at a hotel somewhere in Olivia. My guest host today is Jack Warrow of the Pines Grandview Lodge, the head pro up there for, I think, the last uh, 48 years. Um, and uh, thanks for coming on today, Jack. Thanks for having me. A dream come true to uh, be paired up here with you. How long have you been the head pro at the Pines? Uh, at the Pines, I've been there for about nine years, So, but I'm 18 years at Grandview. 18 years at Grandview. And uh, I... I I think there's a picture floating around on the internet of when you started at the Pines. You you look exactly the same, if I <laughs> yeah. don't say so myself. Yeah, in my head, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on. You know, Jack's a great friend of Greg and I's. Um, he's, uh, Jack kind of is uh, a bar that's set on the playing stage for us to uh, strive to get to. Um, there's a competitive... Uh, background between uh, Greg and Jack over the years. Greg used to work up in the Brainerd area, so they've known each other. How long have you guys known each other? 15 years? You know, we played in an assistant event at, um, I can't think of it right now, but we played and we started walking down the fairway and started talking basketball and we've been, you know, friends ever since, basically. We played on the YMCA basketball team together and that turned into many assistant events and other events, so just about 16 years, I'd say. Yeah, and uh, you still play competitive basketball, right? Yeah, I, this is one of my best years I've had in a long time. On the basketball? Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's good because it was kind of a down year for you on the oh. tournament side, playing. Oh, ouch, I knew that was coming soon. <laughs> um, not this soon, but yeah, it was a tough year for me, no doubt about it. And, and truthfully, this basketball thing has kind of given me new hope for golf, which is kind of funny. Okay, hey. There's still hope. Uh, just so you know, I am wearing the Larry Bird socks in Whoa. honor of you. I know Larry I Bird's it. your favorite player of all time. Any uh, sport. Any any sport. And um, I'm not wearing my Michigan Wolverines uh, maize and blue because I hate Michigan. And I know you're a grad of Michigan. You love Michigan everything. The real U of M. Yes, yes. the real U of M. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're going to jump in. Um, typically... I sing a song here because that. it's the apologies. I don't know if anyone wants to hear that, but it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. We're right here before Christmas, and uh, we got some apologies. Let's you're you're new to the show. Let's let's throw you right in. What are your apologies? Well, there's an obvious apology we have to kind of address, and it's for Greg because he can't be here. He literally is on the FedEx truck because he was calling me as he was delivering packages, greeting people with a Merry Christmas as he hands it to him. Um, but he called you Scott Kimman at the end of the show. I was listening to it. Uh, Scott is one of his good friends, a referee. I actually saw him refereeing the Brainerd game last week. He did a fine job. 20-point win for Brainerd. Uh, anyway, he called you Scott Kidman, and, and obviously Scott is not as excessive as you are, so I don't know how he would possibly get that screwed up. So that's my apology. Just one? Just one for now. Okay. I've got a few. I've got an apology to you, seeing as though you called me out on a couple of episodes um, for saying too many ums. Um, 
Uh, so here's where we're at. We're going to count how many ums you have today. And then that we will pre-apologize for everyone uh, for the next show. I also have another apology to one of your staff members, Jesse Nelson, your assistant. Last episode, I said, sounds like Jesse uh, is going to get in that assistance national championship. Sore subject, Jesse did not get in. Worst part is he booked his lodging, he booked his flight because of you saying yeah. that, and now he's out on that. So that's why I got that bill for $850. Well, um, that's my first um of the episode, so we're done with that. <laughs> Jumping right in, we're going to kind of start a new segment here where we recap what we talked about on the last episode, because sometimes we just jump right into our new topics and don't even talk about the things we addressed in the last episode. So last episodes, I got a, I, I got a few things on here. Uh, assistance Nationals, we've already kind of touched on it. Jesse did not get in. We did have four guys down there. Andy Smith, Kyle Scanlon, Tim Brovold, and Mike Marshall. Andy Smith, only one that made the cut. Tied for 62nd down there, so nice work for Andy. It's a good event. Um, and um, yeah, good for good for those guys down there. Senior Nationals was going on. Senior PGA was going on while the fall scramble was happening. So we had uh, seven guys get into that. Is that wow. that's that's quite a few. So down the list, Jay Norman, Dale Jones, Steve Fessler all played. Did not make the cut. Mike Barge, Bill Israelson made the cut. Barge tied for seventy first. Israelson T sixty six. And Don Barry tied for 35th, and Tom Viznia, Vizina, one of those two. Tom V. Tommy V is going to the senior PGA, top 35, get in. Awesome. So Don, I did talk to him, T35, I think he missed out. Uh, he's an alternate, but he said it's a very high likelihood that he'll get in for what is probably, what, 10 in a row now for him. He plays in it every year. So And he's played in the big senior PGA, too. Uh, other things, we had the fall scramble going on. This is a little shot at Greg Snow. He put the winning score at 12 under for a scramble at Hazeltine from 6,400 yards. I took the over. 14 under, won it. The team of uh, Benoit, Snyder, and McDonald. Uh, we don't know who that guy is. Kinman. But, yeah, Kinman. Um <laughs> Multiple teams, I think three teams at 13 under, including the guys from uh, Brainerd, Johnson, Nelson, and uh, Haugen, your guys. So uh, that was... That's a, that's a scramble dream team. Yes, it is. It is. Very good scramble team. A few other things that have happened since. Uh, let's see. Kelly Hoynes, our newest board member. We had the elections the day before our last episode. And since Phil Anderson became secretary... There is a president-appointed position for the Metropolitan Director for one year. Kelly Hoynes, out of the Minicotta Club, is now on the board. And uh, one other thing of note, we had a local qualify for the LPGA Tour. You know who that is, Jack? No. Sarah Burnham. Oh. You know where she played college golf? No. Michigan State, your oh. favorite university. <laughs> All right, well... So hats off to her. She'll be out there. Uh, Hopefully she gets it going and maybe uh, gets enough points to qualify for the KPMG. Uh, Other than that, let's jump right into section award winners. Jack is a previous, was it last year that you won Facility Promoter of the Year? Yes. Yeah. 
two have you won it two times now? Won it twice. She I mean, I looked out on the plaque out there. We're have at, you won it before? Yes, I've won it once. Not as many as you. That's you've got one leg up on me. Uh, we've got all the plaques. We're at Bunker Hills today uh, of all the past award winners. Kind of cool to see. Um, so that's yeah, the facility promoter of the year. Jack won in the resort category. Uh, there's three categories: public, private, resort. Uh, the three winners this year: uh, Grant Hansen. At uh, Geneva, public side, Mickey Finn at Minnehaha Country Club in Sioux Falls on the private side, and Dave Sadlowski out of Rutgers Bay Lake Lodge and on the resort. And who used to be from Rutgers? Greg Snow. Did Greg win it there ever? I think that's a sore subject. Uh, the one thing I will say is I've said this before. I think Dave Sadlowski might have the best voice for radio oh, in the he section. He should be on the show. For he sure. should. I think if he'd be on, I'd be done. Yeah, I'd be done. It could be you he and should Dave be singing that first. Yeah. Song for sure. <laughs> Other awards, big one, uh, professional of the year, Paul Kelly, head golf professional at the Woodhill Country Club. I think this is year seven at Woodhill for him previously at Bent Creek. Um, it was a great year. We had the PN or our professional championship there, the section championship there in August. It was had a great, great feel. Yeah. Absolutely great feel there. Did a great job. And obviously with the weather problems too. They yeah. came that pretty well. So. It was uh, hats off to his staff for us getting it in. Vincent, and, and I mean, it was a little couple, touch and go. Couple near heart attacks out there walking. But yes, we made it. <laughs> yes, yes. So that hats off to PK. Well deserved. He's done a lot with uh, starting essentially our first Hope Clinic before it was even Hope uh, with uh, the veterans, and he's very instrumental in that. He's a past president of the PGA, uh, so he's uh, very well deserved. On the other side, let's see. We got Teacher of the Year. Angie Aussie, who's at Oak Marsh, who is also our women's player of the year again. How many? I think she's uh, three. Three she's won, and, and she's either first or second every year. Yeah. Great, great player, great teacher, obviously. Uh, and now the second teacher of the year on staff at Oak Marsh. Steve Willock is a previous winner of that wow. award, too. Uh, so uh, Youth Development Award, Brad Pluth, who's out at uh, Deer Run. Uh, Player Development Award, Danny Sinkson, uh, who beat our team in the four ball. Uh, yeah, thanks, Danny. And also, Did he get the belt? He got the belt. Oh, that's a nice And belt. he's also playing in the uh, Professional National Championship in South Carolina. He qualified for that. Uh, Assistant Player of the Year, Chris Rosasen, who's out at uh, Minnesota Valley. Uh, let's see, Bill Strasbaugh Award, Dave Tentis. Um, let's see, C.J. Meyer. Horton Smith Award. CJ's also on the board of directors. And PK Double Up. Wow. Patriot Award winner this year. We already talked about Hope and uh, obviously well-deserved. And the Steve Widener Award. Jimmy Deutsch. Who? So there, there's an outside chance that Jim Deutsch could get on the microphone with us during this podcast. We're going to try and lock the door and keep him out. First but pro at the Pines, Jim Deutsch. Jim Deutsch, first pro at the Pines. Mm-hmm. He's, I would say Jimmy is well-traveled. <laughs> He's been around. He now is coaching, uh, assistant coach at the University of St. Thomas. Um, and then last but not least, player of the years. We touched on these last episode. We'll talk again about it. Jeff Sorensen, 
Uh, our 2018 Player of the Year, Dale Jones, Senior Player of the Year, Angie Aussie, Assistant, or uh, Women's Player of the Year, and Andy Smith, our Assistant Player of the Year. So those are all the award winners. Congratulations to all of you. Very well deserved, I'm sure. Um, let's jump right into our next segment, Tiger versus Phil, the match. Did you get to watch it? Absolutely. Yeah, I was uh, I was looking forward to it. Um, obviously, good timing with Thanksgiving, and uh, my father-in-law and I were planning on it for the whole day, and you know, it was fun. I, I, I was excited about it. I really was. And, I, you know, obviously, there's a lot of talk, good and bad, about it, and um, I kind of felt some good things about it, some bad things about it, as you did too. And, yeah. Uh, but but to, to, to be able to get that kind of insight into two guys that are obviously – you know, best players in the world at one time, um, was, was fun. Yeah. It's, uh, there was a lot, I read a lot of stuff afterwards, the, the issues with the streaming and essentially a lot of people couldn't get in and then they finally did. And you didn't face any of that though, did you? No, I got in just fine with direct TV. That's did you get your what, refund. No, <laughs> I looked direct TV is one of the carriers that is not giving the refund back. So thanks to them, <laughs> I think Comcast, Dish Network, any of the ones that tried to stream it online, I think everybody got it for free. I, I saw that that was a $10 million hit that Turner Whoa. took because of that, that they'd have to give that. Uh, the golf, I thought the golf was okay. Uh, the highlight definitely for me was Tiger's chip in on 17, which that was typical Tiger. I thought that was great. Uh, the the 93-yard uh, pitch shot from the putting green to the small spot on the green was a little under the lights. I feel like they should have planned that out a little bit better. Yeah, I, I especially mean, for you know for nine million dollars and for five hours, and we, you know we want to see a a, a good conclusion, yes. you know, a fair conclusion. Um, but yeah, I, obviously the chip in is not even close. That was the highlight. Yes, a lot of pressure on those guys to play well though, and and to you know. Especially when you have that momentum going the wrong way, I'm sure it's hard on them to, yes. to fix it, and they want to make it happen so bad it's not happening. Yeah, yeah, it's. I think they'll they they'll probably learn from it. the The whole side bet thing they really hyped that up, and I thought that was a big letdown. You know, there wasn't many side bets. What was the one on number nine? Okay, if anybody holes out from the fairway, it's a million dollars. That should have been an ongoing bet the entire day. Yeah, exactly. You know, and there's a field check. How about a chip in for five hundred thousand? Tigers chip in on seventeen, or yeah, any field shot. It's maybe that's what they'll do. Any eagles are you know a hundred thousand dollars. They should have kind of preset what those were, but I think they'll learn from it. And uh, I think the one good thing is it was great for golf. You got your two most recognizable figures, arguably in the last 20, 25 years playing. Granted, it wasn't great golf, but it's also a Friday, Thanksgiving. There was a lot of people that didn't have much going on. So I would love to see it get – I'd love to see other people in it for sure. Yes. Um, you know, I I was so excited to hear uh, how they think, you know, a little bit, just mm -hmm. with the caddies and how they think about their next shot. Um, unfortunately, it turned into Tiger being kind of a robot, ultra-focused. Yes. And uh, – that kind of was a letdown because I was hoping he was going to be this fun guy that everybody talks about him being such a fun guy yeah. outside. And he just, I think he's just so ultra focused that he can't do that. Uh, and Phil was trying to 
do small talk and you fought you fought those awkwardnesses you're kind of i mean i felt it when i was watching I was like, yes this is like dead air what's going on here you know which is our fear here yeah but anyway uh, <laughs> the uh it, it just it just kind of lost that whereas i think maybe two other people would have a little bit better rapport if you watch those old time shells golf and those kind of things it's awesome yeah you know, it's, yeah it's awesome to listen to those two getting after each other i just watched like chi chi rodriguez was he was what was, i think he's throwing dollar bills Something like that, and got, it, got <laughs> like literally betting with dollar bills, and I, and I really don't think the money needs to be nine million dollars at all. No, I no. think it could be you know five hundred thousand or whatever it might be. Um, obviously, the money's not the issue here. No, those guys. So I, I, yeah, think of. Something. I think I'd rather see more side bets than the actual purse. Yeah, the purse I think was kind of the draw. I'd say, hey, they're playing for nine million. In the grand scheme of things, these are guys that are probably Tiger's probably worth close to a. Billion dollars. Phil's probably close to five hundred million if he hasn't gambled it all away, you know. But uh, he didn't didn't in the event. Yes, (laughs) no, he didn't. So, but uh, yeah, it's. I think the concept is good. I would love to see like you get twelve guys and we have the the shootout at Minnewaska. Have a shootout with twelve guys and just eliminate a guy a hole and then all mic'd up. Yeah, exactly. And then you get different personalities because Tiger's never been one. Well, there's no doubt about it. Charles Barkley should have got out there and proven to us that he could par or whatever. No, double number one. Yes, because you knew he couldn't. But I wanted to see it so bad. Yeah, it's the commentating and some of it. They'll learn from, and I, I, I it sounds like they'll, oh, they'll funny do it commercials. Again. Yes, yes, <laughs> no. So it's, uh, but yeah, it, it's good for golf. So no doubt about it. Let's you know, with golf is changing. You know, things are things are changing. We're trying to make it more fun. And the biggest thing is the rules. We got this big rules change coming up here in uh, 2019, and with that, we bring in our special guest, Vincent. Not Victor. Not Victor. Backteller is here. Newly engaged, Jack. Recently yeah. engaged. To, uh, you know, how long have you been married now? I have no idea. No, four years, I think. Four, four, I think years. four years. I'm going on 13 years, four kids in. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an old man here. Typically, well, you're still older than me, but I've been married longer than you. Jack, Greg's older than all of us. He's like... He's been married for like forty years. He's he's almost <laughs> it's over twenty. I know that for a fact. He's, he's almost a grandpa. So whoa, don't say that. no, Vincent. All right, hello, welcome hello. in. Thanks for coming on. Uh, first year, almost you were almost one year under the belt on staff with the Minnesota PGA as our director of competitions or the DOC as we like to call it. What before we jump into the rules? The what the doc? What you know? What have you learned your first year? What have what? How do you feel it went? And it, it you know, are you excited about this coming year? Uh, let me tell you, this is a really, really good first year. I was a big fan. Uh, you know, it was a big leap. I've never, never expected I'd be living in Minnesota, coming <laughs> from the Carolina section. So uh, it was a really good first year. Uh, found out we have a very busy summer. So for a short season, is is pretty tough. Uh, you know, it's a grind May June. July, August, but uh, you know it was a good year. The membership up here is fantastic. You know, compared to uh, other sections, I found the membership here is, is wonderful. So, really good first year. Uh, I think we made some some leaps and some learning moments, and I think it's gonna only get better from here. What um, 
what do you think was your biggest challenge other than adjusting to these severe cold temperatures in Minnesota? Well, I mean, I was you know down in the Carolinas. I was third in command, so coming up here and being the guy in charge and having an intern that reports to me and you know being you know the expert on the rules and you know the go-to guy is is a big big challenge this first year. So a couple of learning moments, but uh, hopefully we we do better next year. So uh, let me just jump in. Vincent has a rules hotline. You know, Doug Hoffman has the one with the MGA, and I've called Doug before. But now my speed dial is Vincent because he actually, he answers typically when I call. And I've called him with some of these rules questions, but I feel like you're going to get like double or triple the calls with all these changes. Uh, I definitely see it. And my rules hotline is my cell phone. So do you want to give that out right uh, of now? Course, of course. <laughs> okay. If, any, if any, uh, anybody listening has a rules question, cell phone number 360-908-7545, feel free. Give me a call anytime you want. Uh, please only uh, Is it rule. Is right now already? <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, hopefully uh, only rules or tournament-related questions. That is my personal <laughs> cell phone, so uh, keep it PG-13, please. Yeah, we've got a few people that we could definitely tell that to. And, Jack, I don't know if you know this. Out of 100, Vincent scored 97 out of 100 on the rules of golf, oh, which is really, impressive. really good. Yeah, a lot of, and that was on the new rules. So yep. haven't even officiated on these new rules yet. So went to a rules workshop in October, and it's uh, three days of eight-hour classroom-based instruction over the rules of golf. So it's a big grind. I, I studied quite a bit leading up to it, and, and went through all the new books and uh, prepped quite a bit. So very proud with the ninety-seven, and hopefully, uh, future we get a hundred. What we've got some rules of golf workshops coming up, don't we? What what are the dates on those and where are those at? So uh, so new this year since it is big changes. We are going to be doing uh, three workshops for PGA members. So me and Doug over at the MGA we're going to co-teach uh, three workshops. The first one is January eighth, so it's coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, Bunker Hills nine to four. You can sign up now, and then uh, we're going to do one in February and one in March. Dates and locations still to be determined, but uh, hopefully on the next podcast we'll have those dates and locations set up. But first one, January 8th, should be a good time going over all of the rules changes. So that way our members can be uh, educated. That way when their club members come and approach them and asking questions, they they can be a little bit more versed in the rules. And again, if they have any questions, they can call me. Yeah. I've already pre-sent out the 2019 rules changes to my men's league. For, so that they prep before our meeting, before the league get uh, Get out in front of it. Uh, there is some very informative, just kind of prepping for the show. And this year, there's some very informative things through the USGA and other Golf Digest, just highlighting some of these big things. And, and that's kind of what we want to jump into with Vincent, too, is what are, you know, do you have kind of the big ones that are going to affect us? Uh, what would you say is your list of the most important changes? So there's there's a few you know high level changes that'll affect uh, quite a few people, and the one uh, big push this year is pace of play. So one of the things is uh, ball searches from five minutes is now going to be three minutes. So Scotty, when you hit it into the woods at the pines, <laughs> you're only going to have three minutes to find that golf it's ball be now. Great for us. So I'm going to have a giant. Never happens. I'm going to have a giant stopwatch on me at all times that we can start timing people. 
Um, and then also for the first time ever in the rules of golf, it mentions pace of play. It gives a recommendation of 40 seconds a, a shot when it's your turn to play. So that's new this year. They're pushing ready golf. So it's it's a big push towards pace of play. Uh, also, other big ones is uh, uh, the there's a local rule that could be coming into effect that I don't think we'll use for our section events, for but it's going to be big for uh, public play and, and member play at your facilities where you hit one out of bounds or you lose it. And the local rule will let you drop it in the fairway at the same distance of where it went out. So instead of having to go back to the tee and re-hit or, or wherever you lost the ball from, you know, f- for the most part, members or public play they don't go back to the tee so they're trying to do that to to speed up play but also encourage people to play by the rules of golf so, so hitting that shot in the same way that second guy's really good <laughs> yeah yeah i don't have to do that anymore yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh another another good one is uh you know double hits are eliminated so you know they thought that instead of a one stroke penalty it's if you double hit a shot it's not going to be a good golf shot for the most part so why well, give you a double penalty in a sense so i have a gentleman that double hits all the time putting makes it Really? So, so now his his scoring average is going down. Oh, it's huge. So, Vincent, there is no penalty for double hit now. So if I hit it, it's just one, and double hit it, it's just one shot. Just one shot. Yep, no penalty. Stroke. So someone feasibly somewhere could be working on a double hit shot. So feasibly, yes, but it's also intent-based. So if you're in the bunker and you try to do the double hit because you don't want the ball and the sand contact with the club face, you can't intent okay. to double hit. Okay. I'll give you a penalty every time. So if I hit it up in the air and somehow whip it back around and <laughs> hit it again, that that would be a penalty. <laughs> that would, in fact, be a penalty. Uh, also big, uh, on the putting green, you can repair basically any damage now. So spike marks, that's the big one. You can fix spike marks on your line of play. You can touch your line of play. Do you think that'll cost us in pace of play? So I, I've talked with uh, some tour reps and the USGA and – and thought how, you know, how would that affect pace of play? The USGA is trying to push pace of play, but this seems like it's going to be a delay. It seems like people are going to find any little blemish on the putting green and fix everything. And uh, what I what I heard is that they're expecting that the first group out of the day is going to have a perfect putting surface. The next group out is going to fix those spike marks from the group ahead of them, and so forth and so on. So it's not like you get to a putting green that's all beat up, like kind of what you expect late in the day now. Improved conditions as the day goes on. Yeah, it's going to keep the conditions similar as the day goes on. So it's not like one group is going to take you know an awful long time to fix spike marks because the group in front of them was fixing spike marks. That's kind of what I see. I know the tour is going to have a pretty strict policy on on how long they can fix you know damage on the putting green because they still have to hit that stroke in 40 seconds when it's their turn to play. So they're going to be enforcing it this first year. I know that the tour events in January in Hawaii, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes down. You know, first first year, first tour event with these rules changes, but that's kind of what they're expecting. So, so let me jump in. Can caddies fix spike marks? Yep, caddies okay. can fix spike marks. So spike marks, uh, divots, hoof tracks, any type of damage on wow. the putting green. Base. Deer, deer hoof tracks. Yeah, you can. That could fix be a it. long time. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, so you can fix it all. The only thing that you can't fix is uh, you can't fix the the hole. So the hole's kind of worn down late in the day. You can't touch that. You can call an official over, and if it's damaged, I could fix it. And you also can't fix uh, aeration holes. So if it's you know fall and just aerate the golf course, you can't go out there and try to fix every little hole yep. from the aeration. Uh, also, the Dustin Johnson ruling, you know something was that a couple years ago on the putting green? Yep. 
So he, he marked his ball. You know, it moved. Did it move? Did he cause it to move? That's trying to be eliminated with the new set of rules. So basically, at, at any point, if you accidentally cause the ball to move, it's going to be replaced. No penalty. That was a local rule that they put in place after that just Dustin Johnson ruling. That's now in the rules book. So anytime you accidentally cause the ball or ball marker to move uh, on the putting green, no penalty. Just replace it. And also, as soon as you mark your ball, that ball now owns that spot. So say it's a windy day, you mark your ball, you, you, you put the ball back, and then that ball rolls away from the hole or rolls in the hole. It doesn't matter where it goes. It always is replaced. That ball owns that spot now. So, you know, you could get super unlucky to where it's a windy day and that ball rolls in the hole. You don't get it. You have to replace it. But on the other side, the ball could roll. You know, the wrong a, way. Yeah. Off yeah. the green. Yeah. yeah, at Augusta, the greens are rolling 13. It could roll off the green and roll 40 yards down the fairway and just be replaced, no penalty. That that rule has been the the last five, six years. has been It's been kind of changed back and forth if you replace it or you let it go. And to me, with my members, that has been the biggest question. You, our greens get fast during our pro-am, and there's a lot of sl- slope. So people always ask, what do we do? Well, now it's it's very simple. Mm-hmm. You just put it back to where it was. I think that cleans it up for everybody. Yes. It makes it yeah. a lot easier. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a modernization. It's also a bit of a simplification. So yes. it's kind of common sense. Like, you know, what happened? All right, common sense. Let's get you to the right spot. Let's solve this problem without all the technicalities of the rules book. Uh, another good one uh, that was added is there's a code of conduct that you can now put in place. So it can be like player behavior. So if you get angry and you know, maybe somebody throws a golf club in our section or... A, or da- breaks a team marker. Or breaks a team marker. I'm still, for those of you listening, I am still looking for whoever broke my team marker for the fall scramble. <laughs> it was uh, number 16 at Hazeltine during fall scramble. Somebody, I'm sure, probably hit it in the water and took a nice little swing at my team marker. So I need to replace it. So in the future, there could be a code of conduct violation and you could get penalty strokes, but something like that, you're probably getting taken off the golf course. Are you going to be putting with the flag in? I was just going to ask you that. I know Greg Snow can. Yes. Because he drips them in and never gets them there. <laughs> yes, so. he never gets it there. So <laughs> I, think, time. I think for me, I'll probably be putting with the flag in from outside of 30 feet. Just for, just for pace of play. Pace of play and the, the evidence shows that it helps. I'm not going to be like DeChambeau where you putt everywhere with the flag stick in. I feel like this rule might hurt pace of play because somebody might want it in. Somebody might not want it in. And there's... So do you have to determine if it's flag in or flag out before you putt it? Can you yeah, still have it you tended? Can, you can still tend it. Can, they make the, can the caddy make that judgment? No. Not, no. not mid-putt. Sure. Not mid-putt. So it's basically... In, out, or tend it. Those are your options. Sure. So same as it always is. Yeah. So, yeah, Bryson DeChambeau said for most events, he's going to putt with it in. But I think it was the U.S. Open or one of the other big events because they use a different kind of oh, flag stick. Yeah, it's a thicker flag stick. It starts right away in the first event of the year? First event of the year. Okay. January 1. So, I think. Uh, That's going to be really interesting. Yeah, is it the Tournament of Champions in Hawaii that yeah, first it, weekend? Yeah, it's been Hyundai or Yeah, whoever. I think it was the Hyundai. So, yeah, that's going into effect. So, uh, I have a feeling for the most most part on the tour, guys are still going to putt with the flag stick out. Um, this rule is mainly for you know gen- general play, playing by yourself. You got to walk over, you got to take the flag stick out, make the putt, 
put the flag stick back in. It's it's for pace of play for you know regular play. Yeah. For the tour event, most players are going to putt with the flag stick out. They're used to it. You know, less chance of the ball bouncing out or whatever, unless it's a very long putt. Yeah. And they're afraid that they may blow it by, and they need the flag stick to help block it. Do you have the thicker flag sticks at the pines, or yours the? They're kind of medium, I guess I'd okay. say. I mean, I'd keep you could keep them in and make some putts. Yeah. Uh, I still think I'm going to putt with them out. You know, I just. I don't know. You're used to that. Yeah. You know what I mean, and and it feels like it's gonna hit the pin and bounce out, possibly, especially if the wind or whatever. Do you going on. typically chip with it in if you're just off the green, or do you keep um, it and pull it? I always pull it off. I putt a lot from everywhere. Yeah, I'm yeah. a terrible chipper right now, but um, I, I'm gonna putt with it out usually um, for sure. So I've always tended that way. So I think I'll lean that way. Obviously. <laughs> I just can't see putting a three footer with it. In. No, no. <laughs> I, I I just I think. Longer putts, it might help you, and it's going to speed things up. You It'll be up interesting there. to see, like, when someone has success using the pin, you know, maybe someone's going to be really, you know, I, my first thought in my head is Tim Johnson. Yeah. Aggressive putter. People yep. like that, that putt aggressively. It could be a big deal. Yeah. Well, does that change people's putting philosophies? Do they now think, I'm going to leave the flex again, I'm going to hit it harder and try to Greg Snow, did you hear that, Greg? Did you hear that? <laughs> We're talking a, a little bit harder, please. A, a hole is what? How big? Four and a quarter? Four and a quarter. And the flag stick is what? Not even a half inch? Quarter yeah. of an inch, yeah. maybe? It's about three quarters, I yeah. think. It depends, depends on, on the it Yeah, it depends on the flag so stick. So you're now putting more aggressively, hoping that you're going to hit that half inch, three quarter inch flag stick. There's something but, to it a little bit. Yeah. yeah so it, it, I think it's going to be definitely discussed a lot more than probably it should yeah it's going to be it's you know the tour is going to dictate how much discussions on it if a lot of tour players are putting with the flag stick in there's going to be much more discussion but yeah. you know DeChambeau I think is probably going to be one of the only few that leave the flag stick in uh, another another big rules change is, is the dropping procedures yeah, what, why is that what, what is so that do? yeah so now it's going to be from knee height um, they they determine that so the original discussion was at least, you know, an inch off the ground, had to drop through the air. They, they you know, waxed that. It's now going to be knee height. It's another pace of play type deal. So from shoulder height, there's more chances of the ball rolling outside of the designated area. From knee height, it's still the random lie. You don't really know where the ball is going to go, what kind of lie you're going to have, but it's more likely to stay in the designated area. And now there's now there's the, the relief area, so one or two club lengths. That ball has to stay in there now. So if you mark with the T the, the driver length and it's one club length, that ball has to stay in that area now. It can't roll up to two club lengths like the current rules. Okay. So by dropping it from the knee height, the odds of it going outside that area are much more slim. A little better in a bunker too as well, obviously. You could yeah. a plug lie. Yep, you're taking on playable in a bunker or something like we that. We're already practicing our techniques on how to drop. Where <laughs> if you get really low, do I bend down? What do I do? Well, it's it's also <laughs> interesting because you could measure you know, your knee and put it on like a putter or something, and you don't have to be standing when you drop the ball. You could be sitting on the ground. You could be sitting in a golf car. As long as it's that knee height from when you're standing, that's that's all that's required. It's my knee height, right? It's your it's my personal knee yeah, height. Yeah, it sounds stupid, but you just said we kind of can measure it. So yeah, so measure your knee. You put it like Dustin Johnson is going to be. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. He's going to be a little higher. So yeah, it's and you can be sitting in the golf cart. So how often do you see guys just kind of toss the ball out of the golf cart? Well, now they could just drop it outside the golf yeah. cart as long as it's that knee height and it's basically from bottom of the knee to top of the knee. So you got, you know, four or five, six inches, you know, that range is acceptable. 
So that's going to be interesting. I mean, for the first first tour event, seeing guys dropping it from the knee, everybody's going to be throwing a fit. Yeah, what are they doing? It'll be so bizarre. We go from what they used to drop it over their shoulder behind yep. themselves, and then we're with the arm straight out, and now it's we're going to see guys dropping it from their knees. Yeah. So at rule school, there was a photo of Jack Nicholas at the Masters dropping behind his back. And it was right after the rule changes of announced shoulder. And there was a rules official watching and everything. And in this photo, it's like, these just happened and the official didn't catch it. Didn't wow. realize that it's, you know, it's now supposed to be shoulder and dropped it behind his back. And, you know, the, the instructor at this rules workshop says, it's probably going to happen to you. You're going to see a guy dropping from shoulder height and not think any different because that's what you're so used to. So I have a feeling, you know, a lot of our players, especially our section players that play a lot one yeah. one time or another it, it's probably going to happen you're so not it's a penalty think, if you do that yeah you, you dropped it in, in the wrong way and it'll be a one stroke penalty unless you correct it that's interesting that is going to be so, tough so, uh, yeah. so if one of our have to start practicing uh, dropping from the knee here don't get in a drop situation yes Very exactly. yeah, so if one of our anger players you know hits a ball in a water and without thinking just goes and drops it because already angry you could add a penalty stroke pretty quickly wow. yeah, yeah. Oh, geez. Well, good luck with that. Vincent. Yes. Yeah. That's going to be one that's monitored. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have extra rules officials at all our events now just to enforce some of these new rules. Here, here's one for you. And maybe you'll talk about this. I, I don't think this is changing, but is the tour going to distance measuring devices being allowed yet? No. Okay. No. So the rules of golf, so the rules of golf now will allow distance measuring devices. In the past, it was no unless there's a local rule, and basically everybody had a local rule except for the tour. And uh, I talked to the tour rep, and he said that they're not they're going to have a local rule in place saying they cannot use the distance measuring devices. So I know on the web.com tour, there was some some events and some qualifiers that they were allowing rangefinders just to see how it affected the competition, see how it affected pace of play. You know, what does the general public consider it? You know, because it looks unprofessional when you have the rangefinder at a tour event, you know, used to the book and, you know, versus everybody lasering it. And then, you know, the other complaint was they have their book, that caddy gives them the number of the player, then lasers it, and the number's off. Mm-hmm. How long of a discussion is that going to be to figure out so who's correct? The well, the books, so you can have the books, but new this year, and Scotty's probably yeah. pretty upset, is that uh, the green books, so... The grid for each green has to be three-eighths of an inch or smaller. So the scale is like one inch to five yards or something. So his books that he just got are now against the rules of golf. Yeah. You have books? Yardage books, yeah. <laughs> On the green. So any old yardage books that were gridded at a different specification for wow. previous years are not allowed. Although I did get an email from Precise that says that there is going to be a little bit of a leniency or... I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things that for... So for your books, there's one page that it's slightly bigger grid yes. versus the other pages where it's smaller. So you'd be fine with those. So you'd basically have to black out the, the pages that don't work with the rules of golf. So... Uh, I'm going to tell you guys right now, I don't think I'll be out there with a ruler examining every okay. single person's yardage books. That's kind of like an honor of the game. If you know what's wrong, yes. correct it. You know, 
Because I, I can't be out there with them. We're no, to, no. You know, f- track everybody down that has a yardage book or, you know, similar to the rangefinders. It's kind of like an honor thing to where, you know, you can't have the sole function yes. on the rangefinder. I'm not going to be out there, you know, tracking every single person down, make sure everything conforms. It's it's an honor game to where if you know it's wrong, you know, don't use it. Well, and that's with those rangefinders now. It used to be it'd have like a different color code. Literally now it's a switch on most of them that can be slope or tournament conforming so it is kind of a you could do it yes yeah you can get away with it and and it is very it, unless you're right there and seeing it it's tough to know yeah i mean the the way they can flip it with a switch you flip it on real quick you flip it off before it even comes down from your eye yeah you, you can't police that it's it's the honor thing if the guy's doing it they know they shouldn't they should call it on themselves but if they're trying to get that much of an advantage for you know, a 10, 10 foot, 10 yard slope, and they're trying to find that number. Like, come on, guys. You could be like me. I use meters in the state <laughs> open for 17 holes. That's where my game is. How'd you play that round? I had zero birdies, okay? And I flipped someone, I, someone, you know, on 17, we scanned it, and I heard them kind of say their yards, and I'm like, and I did it again, and I'm like, what am I doing here? You know, and so I, I I switched it over, and I'm like, oh my gosh, was it this year? Oh sure. And oh I, and my goodness. Hey, but I birdied 18 using yards right after that. Look it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I'm 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 not the right guy to be <laughs> for sure. I can't even figure out yards yet. So. Wow. Oh, then uh, also, so hazards are taken out of the game. It's now penalty areas, and you can mark anything as penalty areas. So it doesn't have to be water hazards. So before there has to be water, there has to be a trench, there has to be something to mark as a hazard. New this new new this coming year, you can mark anything penalty area. So fescue or woods. Thinking at the pines, you can mark all your woods as penalty areas now. Be, before it's like, well, there's no water back there. It's a lost. There's a lot ball. of gray areas for sure. Yeah. So yeah. now, you know, committees and and head pros and anybody doing their marking, they can now determine what's a penalty area, what's not. Am I going to mark all the fescue on my golf course? Is there any regulation to that? Is there any reason that I need to have in order to mark it that it's, way? Or? It's a pace of play type thing okay. to where versus searching for a ball, lost ball, now you got to go back to the tee or use the local rule if it's in place. Penalty area, give yourself the one-stroke play away. That's kind of what they were thinking. It helps speed up pace of play a little bit, encourages more people to play by the rules. Less searching of golf balls. Less searching, yep. So I'm thinking like a place like Victory Links where we do our 3M Open qualifiers. There's a ton of fescue almost every hole to where there's some marshland where some of it's marked hazard, but this coming year I can mark it everything penalty area. Hit in the fescue, you can find it and play it. A lot of paint. It's we're we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be looking for partnerships for paint companies pretty soon. Oh, here. Sherwin Williams. Yeah. So, is it just penalty areas? We're done with lateral and direct hazards. Unfortunately, not. So it's, it's penalty areas. Not. They're still yellow penalty areas and red penalty. Uh, areas. They're treated basically the exact same as the current rules. Same relief options. Um. They did that. I, th- I want to say it's because TBC Sawgrass number 17, imagine if that was all red. That would change the dynamics of that hole and that event so much. Because now you could basically fly it over the green. Well, it's red. You can now drop it on the putting green. Yes, yeah, sure. Having to take that drop. So 
I, I don't want to say that that was the deciding factor, but I bet you somebody brought point. somebody brought First that one up. Thought about for sure. Yeah, somebody brought that up and how that can change with Island Greens. So you know, I wasn't a fan when I found that out because it. You know, how many yellows a, do you have out there? In we do not have any, and we Zero. probably should. We do not have any because it just confuses people. It's very, very confusing to a, a, an amateur for sure. It's even confusing to the professional, yes. to be honest with you. Yeah, so. it's happened a couple of times this year where people are taking you know, two couplings drop on a yellow hazard and I have to roll up there and be like, what are you doing, guys? Come on. So uh, the thought with, with that is the rules say, you know, more red. So it doesn't have to be as strictly by the book with yellow versus red. You can mark everything red on your golf course have no issues. You know, it's only the, the few circumstances where it's the island greener. It's a force carry that's an integral to the to the course, to the hole, that you have to get over and clear that hazard and not come back into the hazard. But for the most part, everything can be marked red. You know, the marking this year, I tried to have most things red. And next year, I'm going to try to have almost everything red. And I did see with the lateral hazard, we've now eliminated the opposite side of the hazard, equidistant that whole. Yep. So that's now out option. of that's now out of the official rules book. Yep. So you know, a little creek. Think as eighteen at Quail Hollow has a little creek running up yes. the whole way. You hit it off the hill, it goes in the hazard. You can drop it on the other side. Now that's going away unless it's a local, a local rule that it's equal distance. You can add that as a local rule. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll be doing that for section events. It may be a case-by-case basis where we'll get to a facility and see if we want to add that to the local rule sheet versus a hard card. But, yeah, that's out of the official rules as well. It was so very seldom used <laughs> at most golf courses. Yeah, it's it's so seldom used, and most players don't even know it's an option. No. So, you know, it's happened a couple times where I go up there, and I ask the player pretty, you know, I see that this would be a good option, and I ask them, do you want to know your options? And most of the time, they, they say, no, I got it. They don't even want to hear. You know, I'm not, hear my options. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to encourage it. You know, I can't, I can't affect how you're going to play or how you're going to take a relief. I can just. The way you do your thing, for the most part, they don't even know that's an option. Well, so looking at, you know, speaking of hazards, I have another one here with loose impediments and hazards. Could you explain that to us a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so the current rules is you can't move any loose impediments in the hazard. So the sticks, you can't move it. New this year, in the penalty areas and in bunkers, you can move all loose impediments as long as it doesn't move your ball. So any branches, any leaves, sticks, loose grass, anything like that, you'll be able to move that in penalty areas and in bunkers now. And you'll also be able to ground your club in those penalty areas and bunkers so now, you know, you can't ground your club at all, practice swing or anything like that. In a penalty area, you can now ground your club in a practice swing. No penalty. Before it was two strokes, lost a hole, you're going to be able to, to basically, you know, ground your club in the practice swings if, if your ball's in high grass in a hazard or something. You, you'd be able to, you know, test it basically on how the grass would affect you by grounding your club. Bunkers too? Bunkers, no. So okay. you can't, in a practice swing, you can't ground your club. But you can, you know, right now if you, you know, press the sand with your club or your hand or something, it's two strokes automatically. Uh-huh. Now you can ground your club as long as it's not near the ball or during a practice swing. Okay. So you can like lean on the club. You can sure. just set it. Yeah, you can just you can just set your club. You know, it's not an automatic penalty anymore. Okay. 
What uh, any other ones you want to highlight? I mean, we could. T- I know you could probably uh, talk. You know, we could talk about this for a few more hours. We fixed the divot in the middle of the fairway yet? That rule? Not, not <laughs> yet. That one's still. Where's that coming? <laughs> so, and and I asked this at rule school because that you know like you can fix fix spike marks on the putting room. Why can't you take your ball out of a divot in a fairway? And and they said you know the spike marks affecting your line of play are much more of a factor than your ball ending up in a divot. The odds of spike marks being an issue are so much greater than a ball being in a divot in a fairway. So they said that was the, you know, it's a turning point. I think I point. disagree with that. You know, depending on what course you're at. Depending on the divot, too. Yeah, you know, if you're at a you know beat-up beat up public course that you know, gets a ton of rounds and there's tons of divots, yeah. You have like, a lot of question of what's a divot and what's not, too. And that'd be exactly. All the time. Yep, and what happens if, if the divot was replaced? Do you still get relief? Or if it's sand filled, do you get relief? It, it could be... Plus, would their motivation to fix divots go away? True. That's <laughs> that's another thing. So uh, I, I can see that changing in the future. So, you know, this big rules change was new in 2019. 2020, I'm guessing there's going to be more changes. There's going to be tweaks. There's going I've already gotten a couple documents of interpretation on how to interpret certain rules that we haven't even officiated yet. So I have a feeling by 2020 there's going to be an updated version of the rules, and I think that's going to be a hot-button issue that may get discussed a, a little bit more, and maybe that will make it into the rules. Well, one, uh, Just one last thing. I know we're running a little long here, but can we now institute and say we both host pro-ams, can we now institute a max score in events? You can. So that's something that we're looking at for our junior golf association is uh, maximum score for like the little kids. So uh, some places in high school, they've already done it like circle eight or something like that. But it's a new form of play where you can't have a maximum score. So you can say, you know, it's it's double bogey, it's eight, it's net, you know, triple bogey, whatever that number the committee can set, then you can just pick it up afterwards. So I don't think we'll be doing it at any of our events, but at maybe on the AMs, at, at pro AMs or member play or something, you can institute a maximum score of eight. I'm thinking maybe, you know, public fee, you know, public daily fee facilities say, hey guys, the maximum score is eight. It's on the scorecard. When you get to that point, feel free to pick up. Just go to the next hole. I think we have to go that way. Yeah, at a resort facility for sure. At, at our pro AMs, you know. Obviously, that's a, one of the greatest selling points of a pro is to, if we could speed it up a little bit. Yes. And that's the one hang-up. Um, and obviously, that would help a lot, for, yes. especially for our two pro Yes, yeah. Um, all right. Let's 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 continue on. Other things you've got going on on the calendar. What We've got the big Vegas Pro-Am here coming up March Madness. Jack loves the Vegas. Uh, twice this year already. Twice this year <laughs> yeah. already. How many trips planned coming up? Oh, currently I only have one on the books for okay. 2019. Okay. Possibly two, depending on this event. Okay, so. beautiful. Yeah, Mr. Vegas, you, ha- you have to plan on I, that. I know. You you sent me an email. I was like, I, this is literally one I have to go to. Uh, I, I just absolutely love going to Vegas, especially playing golf out there. So The dates on the Vegas Pro-Am again. The 17th through the 21st. So it's uh, that first day, it's a Sunday. We're going to start you off with the Golden Knights hockey game. So... We're doing that right away, and then uh, three days of golf at uh, the Royal Lynx Spanish Trails and Red Rock Country Club, and staying at New York, New York, and then uh, check out of the hotel Thursday, and that's day one of March Madness. So the most exciting weekend in college basketball is that weekend. I, I blocked off some hotel rooms if people want to stay through the weekend. 
That place is going to be buzzing. And, and, and I don't know if you guys have seen, I've been to a hockey game there. I haven't been to a hockey game, but I've been around that area while the game's going on. I mean, it's just the atmosphere is awesome. Yeah, it's going to be. Hard tickets to get, too, truly. Yeah, they're hard tickets to get. I already I already got all the tickets, so uh, it's going to be it's going to be a great time. I think it's going to be one of the selling points for we're Minnesotans. You know, we like hockey. You know, why not go to a hockey game in Vegas? Absolutely. So uh, it's going to be a great time. We're still accepting uh, entries. Deadline is mid-January. I think it's uh, January 18th is the cutoff for that. So that'll be two months out from Vegas. Should be a really good time. Uh, we got uh, a couple partners we're lining up. So we'll have some really nice giveaways. We'll have some nice tea prizes. It's going to be a really good event. So, and they can just register online, correct, on yep. Blue Golf? Yep, so it's uh, currently live on Blue Golf and also our section website. So there's a link. If if you want to be old school and uh, do a paper entry form and mail a check, you can do that. Or Are you people can, doing that still? Uh, I know one. Uh, for for this event, people have been mailing in checks uh, to reserve their spot, but you can also do it online. Uh, just need the deposit of one of the amateur entry fees. So if you guys want to pull your money together and send a deposit or have, you know, your wealthiest am register <laughs> early, feel free to do that. Well, yeah, I, we're coming up quick on that. We're almost to the new year already. So that's just right around the corner. So if they have any questions, they can definitely reach out to you and, and sign up online. Yep. Too. Uh, my rules hotline number is the same for tournament inquiries. So oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. They, they got that number already. All right, Jack and I both would love to play in a PGA Tour event. Absolutely. You had your chance. Yeah. <laughs> you had your chance. <laughs> Thanks. I'll have, I'll, have my, I'll have my day again. I believe but, you were leading, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, with nine to go. Thank, thanks for the reminder. So uh, the 3M Open, if we want to try and play in this event, we got some qualifiers. Yeah, now's, now's your chance. You can play in a PGA Tour event. You just got to be really, really good. Uh, so yeah, so 3M Open, so uh, formerly the 3M Championship, uh, new PJ Tour event coming to the Twin Cities at uh, TPC Twin Cities. Uh, I'll be running uh, the pre qualifiers and the event qualifiers out at Victory Links uh, the end of June, and anybody can sign up for the pre qualifiers. So if you think your game's really hot, feel free to to sign up. And I think is there a max field on that? Uh, no. So the section is trying to get as many as possible to sign up. Uh, you know, some qualifiers get up to 300, 400 people. I think the waste management gets like 500 people trying to play Do in that. Do you know the fee on that? Uh, I believe the fee, I want to say it's, I think it's 400, maybe a little bit less than that. Maybe two, I think it's between 250 and 400. I'd have to check my records. But uh, now's your chance to potentially play in a tour event. I think it's top, top 25, get into the Monday qualifier, and from there, Top four to six, depending on the size of the field, get into the tour event. Are you going to go for it, Scott? I'll probably play. Why not, right? Why not? You can find a little lightning there and you're in. Yeah. If if I tell you what, if you make it, I'll come and watch. You're going to come and watch me. It'll be a busy week at the Pines. It's like right around the 4th of July. Can you get away? If you make it, I can get away. <laughs> there is no doubt about you know, it. Think about it. You just need two good rounds. Two yes. good rounds, you're playing in a tour event. And it, the, everything's at Victory Links, right? Yep, yep. And the pre-qualifiers and event qualifiers are at Victory Links. Okay. And as a tour event, I think you'd feel comfortable at. You know, I mean, yes. I, mean I, I know they're lengthening it and making it more difficult, I'm sure, but yeah, know, truthfully. It's it's a all venue all of us have played. We're familiar with it. And, uh, yeah, I think it's – I just think that event's going to be so great for golf in the area. It's, it's going to be – 
That's one of the two new events in, on the tour, right? I believe Michigan and Minnesota are the two new events. Yep. Yes. So we were pretty lucky to have it, and uh, congratulations to Craig Brischke, who's already playing in that event. That's awesome. You know, as the section champion, he got he got the spot into the tour event. So, you know, good luck to him, and yes. a pretty good story. I think his son's going to be caddying for him, so that's going to be an awesome experience for them too. And uh, we also have you know three additional spots that could get into the Monday qualifier. So uh, the section is figuring out how to award those spots. So there's still a chance that. Uh, maybe the three player of the year, uh, top three player of the year, or maybe runner up section champ could get in. Uh, so there's definitely opportunities there. So it should be a really good time. Yeah, it, I think it's going to be fun. I'll probably go to at least one day of the event to watch and, and just see the buzz. And I, I've been to majors, but I haven't been to just a standalone tour event before. So I think, I think the attendance is going to be off the charts. So, uh, what else? What else do we got coming up in 2019? Any big changes? Uh, what about the match play? What are we doing with that? So uh, match play is changing up a little bit. We're trying to increase participation. So instead of uh, having our players to commit three days, it's only going to be one day in the May. We're going to do the round of 64 and round of 32 one day at the Chaska Town course. And then round three and four are going to be on your own throughout the summer, similar to four ball match play, similar to the assistance match play. And then the final four will be played uh, one day at Chaska Town course in uh, end of September, early October. So, you know, you don't have to commit those three days. It's just one day in May, one day in September that you actually have to commit to versus a three-day stretch where I know it's tough for a lot of our golf pros to get out, get out of the office for three days in a row. So we're doing that to hopefully encourage participation. Yeah, I think, uh, and I was in on these talks, and I think it's very important. To, this is an event that we haven't had over 50 players and I can't remember how long. So if we can get to 64 and all you got to do is play two good matches in one day and then you're in the round of 16, I think that entices a lot of guys. You only got to take one day off of work and then you have 45 days to figure out your next match if you do advance and then another 45 after that. So I know for sure you picked up three from Grandview alone just from that. Uh, you know, we have a tough time getting to that event for three days, especially – we're low on staff that time of year. That's our big hang-up, and we're busy. Yes. So that's it's tough, and, and I think that'll definitely help. And that was the big hang-up for us, for sure. Yeah. And I think there's guys that commit those three days, and then they get knocked out round one, sure. and they're like, you know, well, I already committed. Now now what am I going to do? I just have one a couple days off. I, I scheduled myself for <laughs> the second day and third day at work. <laughs> <laughs> that's my and, mindset going and in. And did you advance? I did, actually. Oh, but then but I, I got back for an afternoon shift because okay. uh, uh, Don Barry – I think he beat me by the 10th hole. So, oh, Don's always a tough out in the match play. What, uh, what, anything else of note? Ah, uh, that's, that's about the high levels for 2019. I'm going to have uh, an additional intern. So, my workload is a little lighter next summer. So, uh, going to be using them too as, uh, trying to elevate the events a little bit more. We got, uh, the new printer this year and some signage, uh, was, was introduced this year. Did you place that team marker? Uh, we are going to replace the team marker as soon as whoever did it comes forward. <laughs> uh, those were brand new team markers, and it was my last event of the year. And then that team marker was broke. So, uh, again, if anybody has any information on that, please uh, call the rules hotline. Uh, all right. Well, we're getting close to wrapping up. One thing I want to do, since we're near Christmas, this will probably air right before the new year. You know, you got New Year's resolutions. 
How about some predictions and things that you're excited about in either the section, the tour, golf in general? Vincent, we're going to start with you as far as any predictions or and or uh, things you're excited about for uh, 2019. I'm, I'm predicting that uh, our first Luther event is going to be a nightmare with the rules. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I'm not saying our our, our professionals aren't, aren't the greatest with the rules, but uh, hopefully, I listen to your segment here and yes, got a little bit yeah, of. Or we'll, coming to one of those come workshops. To one of the workshops, so uh, it's going to be a, a nice. What's that phone number again? <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be my one prediction. I think three uh, uh, M Open. I think it's going to be a great success. I'm I'm thinking the the winning score or the low score to get into the. End of the event is probably going to be 62 at Victory Links. That's, 62? That, that's my prediction. Are you, are you still in for the qualifier? <laughs> I don't know if I got 62 in me. Maybe if I quit after 14 holes, but... Uh, you never know. Yeah. And plus you're playing hot. Yeah. What What do you got for prediction? I'm going to go to the tour. Uh, I hate to get on the bandwagon, but I uh, I really, truly believe this, and I know i got some buddies that are going to him and ha, but I think Tiger's going to win the Masters. Tiger's Ooh. not just a major. Just the, the Masters. Masters, though. That's it. Okay. He's not going to win any other event. Just the Masters? Just the Masters. Boy, that, hey, that that's a bold prediction. Let's see. I, I'm excited to see how this new scheduling shakes out with the players now in March. Uh, Masters is a week later. PGA now in May, which is a big switch. And, uh, yeah, so I'm excited to see how that, that kind of transpires. Well, I'm, uh, you know, the PGA Championship is in New York this, this coming year. Yes. New York in May. It could be dicey. It could yes. be 40 degrees and raining in New York. So uh, I, don't, I don't know why. You could they, be there. There's a chance. You could you, be you in could. that event. This is your chance to be in that event. Yeah, there you go. Here's, here's my, my bold prediction. And it's 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 probably not pointed at myself as I do still have a chance to qualify for the PGA. I am gonna predict that somebody from our section is gonna be playing in the PGA at Bethpage. That'd be awesome. And I'm also gonna predict that I'm calling out all of these club pros, yourself included, Jack, that one of our club pros is gonna win one of these majors, either the tape mark the state open or the golf champions. I think it's been a while since one of our section guys has won one of those events. So I think one of those events You're is challenging us a little bit, huh? Yeah, we got to get work on our game and uh, take it to those mini tour players. Yeah, I would I would love to give away the check to one of our guys. The big the big check. The big checks. We want to give it to a member. So you know, has there been talk about doing big checks for every program, every event? That'd be kind of. Uh, there's been discussions. Uh, <laughs> you know, right now we don't give away enough money to justify the big check, but <laughs> I think we're trying to get a bank on board. That way, we can do some promos of our members taking the big winning check to the bank to try to cash it. <laughs> I think that would be a lot of fun. So, uh, if if people want big checks at every event, I can definitely do it. I can print us up some big checks and. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, some happy Gilmore style checks. Do you think the big check would fit in the red racer? <laughs> How many big checks would be in Sorensen's car? Uh, I don't know if he's got enough room. <laughs> no, I don't think he does. But uh, well, thanks uh, definitely Jack for coming on. Uh, Vincent, uh, very informative on the rules. But uh, this has uh, been episode five of uh, Club Pro Chatter. Jack, anything you'd like to add before we sign off? Uh, thanks for having me. Hopefully I uh, 
you know, there's always been this hang-up that people didn't know if Greg Snow or Jack Warrow were the same. They thought they were the same person. We're always together. <laughs> this is not going to help that. No. I mean, Brad Schmier still calls me. I think he calls me Jack Snow. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, this won't help that, but uh, hopefully uh, I didn't let Greg down by filling in. Well, Jack Snow, thanks for being on. <laughs> Victor Backteller, thanks for being on. No, Vincent and Jack, thank you for Fiance. having me Fiance. That's your one chance to use the word. You might as well use it. Oh, and uh, any plugs for your fiance? Do we have a date set? Uh, so, yeah, perfect time for a plug. <laughs> Still looking for a venue. I'm trying to get married at a golf course. So if, uh, uh, the Pines? A, or if there's any members Easily. in the section. We have a like new chapel up at Grandview Lodge. Really? A new wedding so, chapel. So I've showed her photos of Grandview Lodge and that grand staircase. She fell in love with that grand staircase. My best friend got married there. It was truly beautiful. Can we get a discount? Uh, we can work on that. All right. Now that we've done this. Yeah. I think Jack uh, is registered. He could be the officiant of the wedding, too. You're kind of like a boat captain. I think that's Greg. Greg Snow would be a good officiant. Yes, yes. Uh, all right. Uh, signing off for Episode 5 of Club Pro Chatter. This is Scott McDonald. I was joined with Jack Warrow and Vincent Backteller. Thank you for joining us.